The following program is brought to you by Podcast One. Recorded live backstage, this is Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Now here's your host, Rory O'Malley. Welcome to the Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Today we have a special presentation of a live conversation between two industry heavyweights, Vince Gilligan and Charlie Collier. Serving as our guest moderator today, Vince Gilligan is the creator of the acclaimed drama Breaking Bad and co-creator of its prequel series, Better Call Saul. Together, these two shows have been named TV Programs of the Year eight times by the American Film Institute, garnered three Peabody Awards and 16 Emmy Awards, as well as 74 nominations. That's quite a few. Most recently, Vince has written and directed the film El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, which reunites fans with Jesse Pinkman, played by Emmy winner Aaron Paul, who in the wake of his dramatic escape from captivity must come to terms with his past in order to forge some kind of future. El Camino, released on October 11th of this year, can be seen on Netflix. Charlie Collier has been serving as the CEO of Fox Entertainment since October of 2018, where he is responsible for driving the new company's overall creative vision, supervising all content development, creating new strategies for growth, and overseeing all of its business operations. Prior to that, he was the president and general manager of AMC, Sundance TV, and AMC Studios, overseeing the creative and business operations of all three divisions, including the hit TV series Breaking Bad. Taking place on the set of the Geffen Playhouse production of Skin Tight, Vince and Charlie come together to discuss trends in the industry and share stories about a friendship that has spanned strikes, spinoffs, and the rise of streaming. This conversation is made possible through the generous support of Loretta and Victor Kaufman and produced by Pamela Robinson and Loretta Kaufman. And now, from the Gil Kate stage at the Geffen Playhouse, Vince Gilligan and Charles Collier. I love this set they built for us. Right, exactly. This is awesome. I, I hope I don't spill my, my bourbon all over uh, Idina Menzel's uh, chairs. When, when, you, when you're kidding, responsible awesome. for the greatest show in television history, literally this is his living room, and he refuses to present anywhere <laughs> that is not an absolute replica of his house. So <laughs> every time I see him, we're in something that looks just like this. That's right. right exactly. <laughs> Well, everybody, I am Vince Gilligan, uh, the creator of Breaking Bad and the co-creator of Better Call Saul, and I wouldn't be... Uh, I, I wasn't trying to get you to clap, I promise. Thank you. I, I, and I say that because I wouldn't be either of those things uh, if not for this gentleman sitting next to me right here, Mr. Charlie Collier, and that's the truth. We're, we're going to uh, fact check this later. That's the first mistruth. <laughs> But Charlie uh, is the uh, chief executive officer of Fox Entertainment, and before that, he was the president and uh, general manager of the AMC Television Network, and that is where I met him. Uh, and he, uh, I met him because he ordered my, my, my crazy oddball TV show about a high school chemistry teacher who decides to cook crystal meth, and to this day, I don't know why he did that, uh, but I... I'm eternally grateful because it changed my life permanently and only for the good. And uh, before, 
uh, he ordered Breaking Bad. He ordered another little show you may or may not have heard of, a little thing called Mad Men. That's number two. That was Matt Weiner. I'm just, here's the tip. If you take nothing else away from today, surround yourself with people like Vince Gilligan and then just get out of the way a little bit. Wow, God bless you. I want to hear about Mad Men. I want to hear, take us back to, uh, you're at AMC. Tell us about when you got to AMC. And, and AMC back in the day was uh, just, it was a whole lot of, of like Schwarzenegger movies and, and stuff. Well, Tell it wasn't Schwarzenegger yet. We, okay. were, uh, we were getting there. Actually, I think my press release when they hired me, it said something to the effect of, uh, today they acquired the rights to the original Wonder Woman film and Charlie's coming too. And that was like that was the press release, and, and it was it was really what they were. They were AMC. If any of you grew up with AMC, it stood for American Movie Classics before they shortened it. And where you might know it is, it did really really well with movies that were westerns and war and horror. Once a, once a year, October, they did something called Monster Fest, which we changed to Fear Fest, and they did something really well in antihero movies. And this gets to why Breaking Bad. Uh, if you put on Chuck Bronson fighting somebody, it did a rating. And it was an amazing time uh, that really anti-heroes popped so much. We, when we promoted actually uh, an early season of Breaking Bad, we did a, a month in March. We called it March Badness. Yeah, right, and, right, right, uh, yeah. and we just, anything, if Clint Eastwood was hitting someone or Charles Bronson was hitting someone, it was that. And then Aaron and Brian came and wrapped it. But, but I, I start there because it was a movie network that needed a new uh, identity and and truly the theme of all this there are people before me ed carroll and, and josh sapan at, at amc networks and uh they're still there and they were there before me and they knew the place had to evolve from a movie network and so i was lucky to oversee a period where that happened but the strategy and the work is always uh i mean it's so many people but in, but in that case it's, it's a ton of people and so we had these movies that were being curated but it was at a time where video on demand started to be popular, and so cable operators were giving away movies for free. And uh, if any of you are in business, free is a bad model. <laughs> so uh, lesson number two, surround yourself with smart people, charge more than free. Um, so uh, and, uh, so that's why you, know, you got into scripted. Is well, that, that was it. So yeah. we wanted to build uh, a network of value so people would pay us instead of have a product that they could say, you know, the value proposition is free. And uh, Vince had Velcro when I worked with him. But, um, but uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Tie my shoe. No, I was, no, I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> got to do we it. We all man. had those pumps. It was a long time ago. Um, Reebok pumps. Anyone? All right, thanks. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but so anyway, we wanted to become premium television on basic cable because we knew the destination for AMC couldn't be ad-supported movies when they started to give them away for free. Right. So we thought, could we get fortunate enough to build basically the HBO basic cable? Could we find things that paired with enduring movies and were good enough to stand side by side with them? And so the premiere of Breaking Bad was always promoted by a film that we thought was the best of an anti-hero film. And then March Badness and other themes were... Which was were smart. The, but was but before that, there was Mad Men. How did you... Uh, why, why... How did... Tell us about Mad... Because well, I'm interested to know. Again, uh, if you are... Here's lesson number three. We're going to count along. Uh, lesson number three. You can't fall off the floor. There you go. So, uh, so if you're a classic movie... Now, right? if, you're, if you're a classic movie network... Uh, you have permission to do a story about class. And, and look, no one uh, knows anything. That's a famous quote in Hollywood. And I, I William uh, Goldman, yeah, a writer. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he said, 
you know, chuckleheads like me can have a job like this because the good news is I'm qualified because nobody knows anything. And, uh, and because if you knew anything, you'd just make hits and the vast majority of things don't hit at all. But we're trying, you know, but you just don't know. So you go with your gut. And, and I think it's really interesting that Mad Men was a great script. And again, it's Matthew Weiner and it was his spec script to uh, HBO for his work on The Sopranos. And so literally, yeah, it was at HBO. And uh, for whatever reason, because, you know, scripts come through offices all the time and context is everything, uh, we were fortunate enough to have a a context in which we could do a period piece, right? Because we were American movie classics. And and really, again, the smart people who were there before me – put together a deal to shoot the pilot and, and just go at it. And it was their first big bet. And so you look at that, and a lot of the strategy we talked about, the lead-in to Mad Men was Goodfellas. And so the thinking was, all right, you've got this uh, movie about a, very loosely speaking, about a group of men who think they're beyond the rules, leading into this guy. We're going to meet Don Draper, who was surrounded by a group of men who thought, you know, they could make their own rules. And, and it really started to, to be what we thought we could do well, which is some great movies curated well with stories that we hoped, you know, would stand the test of time. But uh, you don't know. And, and uh, how, what a blessing that uh, Mad Men and Breaking Bad uh, came our way. Well, and, and, and now in, in sort of conventional wisdom as Hollywood, in, in, in Hollywood, I've always been taught is, is uh, if, if, if a script has made the rounds as Mad Men had and everyone else in town has turned it down it's kind of like uh, spoiled spoiled goods did that did that give you guys any pause yeah, well the good news is we really did know nothing uh, and uh <laughs> weren't smart enough. so by the way that's some of it you know, once you start censoring yourself uh no it wasn't about that at all i actually got a lot of calls from people who had passed on it who once we had picked it up uh who said look we loved it but you know per- perfect example of a gentleman at usa network well usa network at the time was doing burn notice Right. And they were doing great. They were making money and doing a good job. And he said to me, yeah, I I saw that. It's awesome script, but we couldn't do that on USA. So, you know, you got to pair things up. Look, Breaking Bad was at FX and and it was at a time where they were doing great antihero work with things like Rescue Me. Right. And uh, Shield. And so they actually passed on it to because and totally under that's not in the pejorative at all it happened i'm probably passing on something today that will be your next uh, fundraiser and by <laughs> and the that way feels great right <laughs> nobody knows so right um uh, and what if that goes to an even bigger theater then we're gonna feel yeah. awful um but but uh but we passed on hamilton <laughs> right no right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but by the way everyone does you know i mean the, we wanted a musical about aaron burr right, well, but, we, right, right. but, but that's, think about that so you you're gonna give your finances or your heart or your time to a guy who says, yeah, you know, I'd like to wrap that musical. I read this book on vacation. It's a little dense, but I think we could wrap it out, you know, like, and some idiot like me goes, all right, let's fill a theater. You know, that'll be great. Like, you know, you, you asked, why would we say yes to Breaking Bad? It's insane, right? I mean, it makes no sense. No. The, um, but it's except truth, for man. this, except when you read the words on the page, you know, look, there are a bunch of people in this audience, and I won't call them out, but they know who they are, who can't do what Vince does. And I'm one of them. Uh, and actually, I would bet all of you are one of them. Uh, <laughs> no, here's why. Because it is rare. Shoes. They you can know, tie no, their shoes. Uh, it is a rare thing to be able to have an idea, pitch it well, put it on a piece of paper, and have you not be able to you know, get through, I mean, you just, every day a script came in with his name on it, it was like Christmas at 
our, uh, our office. And I did not write them all. Don't don't no, lead them no, to believe but, I wrote every episode. Well, yeah, we're going to learn by the end of this. He didn't do much. I didn't do much uh, either. We, uh, yeah. we, we're like Johnny Bravo. We fit the seats. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, uh, but, but, but truly, it was so well-constructed and, and so brilliant and so unique. And again, the context for us, I didn't tell that FX story at all in judgment because we all passed on things that have gone on to do other things. But we had the context that we looked at all these movies that were working. We had done one that we thought paired well with our mob movies, which did well. And then we had antiheroes who were really waiting to be paired with the next story. And when this walked in, we didn't want to do, this is something that, that I talked a lot about. I didn't want to be the classic movie network because as soon as Mad Men got picked up, we saw everything that had been passed on. Flappers and Motown and anything that was a period piece that got okay, passed on. Right. And we said, we want something modern day. We want to show that we're not going to be American movie classics. We're going to be AMC. Right. And, and this came in through Jeremy Ellis, right? Yes, uh, Jeremy Ellis, great. Yeah. And, and some really smart people. Really and, smart. And it got to my desk and I had never seen anything like it. And that has everything to do with, with him and not anything to do with us. And then we had the context to be fortunate enough to, or dumb enough to say yes. You know? I, I'm still, um, everyone, it's, uh, everyone says to me, how did you sell this thing about, I mean, were you guys scared of the meth angle? Were you scared of, of uh... <laughs> No, we were looking for a good meth story. I mean, uh, <laughs> right, exactly. I always used to say, like, I came, I was in ad sales early in my career. And my ad sales guys were so mad at me yeah. for picking this up. They're like, finish this sentence. Uh, this meth dealer brought to you by. <laughs> it made no sense whatsoever. And I'd be like, no, but we're trying to be HBO on basic cable. We're trying to build premium television on basic cable. Uh, so th- read this. And, and some can see it and some can't. And look, uh, you, if you read enough scripts, uh, you realize what, how rare good is. And this was actually... To, to try to sell it in because it's not a no-brainer and there were people who, oh, who God, didn't no. see it. So we, we shot the pilot and uh, we owned uh, at AMC Networks uh, also the IFC and Sundance and actually at the time not Sundance but IFC and a lot of independent yeah. film and we owned a theater downtown New York called the IFC Center and I had never done this before for a pilot but it was such a good pilot and so indie quality that uh, we screened it for my bosses at the IFC Center. And it's kind of cool. Did you know that? I don't think right. I did. This right. is fascinating. I'm yeah. glad I agreed to do right, this. Right, this right, is... right exactly. Right. Tell, tell yeah. me more. Right. Well, well, back then, Vince couldn't afford a ticket to the IFC Center. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, uh, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't know about this because right. I would have been freaking out. Yeah, so yeah. I brought it there because they were such – they bought IFC. IFC is an independent, by definition, an independent film company, and they loved independent film. And what we all saw in this was that – it was just of a quality you didn't see in TV. On TV, it had topics that you wouldn't touch at a commercial network. And so we showed it there. And my boss, who, again, big, big independent film fan, after all this, you know, to get it there and hearing about it, but not, he turned to me and he said, if we put 20 more minutes on that pilot, it's the best independent film of the year. I do remember yeah, that, yeah, was right. such, that, yeah. was, that was Ed, right? Was that Ed, was yeah. so sweet. Ed, and and uh, it's true. And I actually think he was just trying to short order the series. But uh, <laughs> no, no, right, right, right. no uh, he, he had an eye for it, and everyone did. And there wasn't a moment of hesitation. Again, you read the material, you, good is good. You see that work, you've never seen anything like it, and then you hang on tight because it was not an overnight sensation. Oh, uh, no. But that had as much to do with the fact that no one even knew where to where AMC was, but if they did, they didn't know they were going there for originals, and so we had to, we had to build it, and it was a little startup. Actually, Vince, uh, tell them what you said to your manager when they uh, asked you to pitch AMC. 
Oh, remember? oh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, I had uh, I had a, uh, my agent, uh, 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 Mark Gordon, not not the Mark Gordon, the producer, but a different Mark Gordon, a, a lovely uh, young man who's very very smart guy. Um, he said, "I'm I uh, at this point in the in the in the process." Uh, gosh, where were we in the process? So, so I pitched it uh, Breaking Bad to everybody in town. And that's not even true. I didn't pitch it to any of the networks because I knew it would, it would be wasting their time. And well, not mine. anymore, man. Come. Well, yeah, nowadays, right. yeah. Actually, well, but well, and that's true because the guys like you running the networks right. now. But yeah. but back then, uh, what fourteen? This is about fourteen yeah. years ago. It was not a network show to say the least. Right. And uh, but I pitched it to HBO and uh, TNT. TNT was actually the best meeting I ever had yeah. because the the first uh, second best, I hope. No, I know. I mean, <laughs> I, no. The best outcome was AMC, but the single best meeting was TNT because the two executives, God bless them, they were on the edge of their seat because uh, for the writers in a room, pitching is no damn fun at all. If you were a performer, you'd be a performer. You wouldn't be a writer, and writers don't want to, you know, perform. And so, but you got to pitch the first episode, and and you got to do it. You gotta be the. You gotta be Meryl Streep. You gotta be whatever. But you also have to do it quick, man. You gotta do it quick because, you know, because I've been to so many pitches where people are just. Literally oh, it's just, horrible just what they go this. through, and people are on their phones yeah. and. Uh, it's but bad, the, but the TNT meeting, I felt so just this warm embrace of love and interest, and they, the two executives are like, and then what happens, and then what happens, <laughs> it was it was like an out of body experience. It was so wonderful. I pitched them the first hour. The first uh, hour of the show, the pilot episode, you know, and and they're just on the edge of their seat by then. I've never before or since had that experience pitching anything of mine. And then they said at the end of the meeting, they looked at each other and they said, wow. And they looked at each other and their faces kind of fell in unison. (laughs) And they said, can it be counterfeiting money instead of methamphetamine? And I said, well, no, no, I think, I think the idea is he does the worst thing monetizable for, for money for his family. He's got to, the thing he does has got to be like the worst thing you could do. Like, you know, if I could have figured out a way to make him club baby seals to death and make money. Because the whole point of the thing, the whole dramatic tension was he does the worst thing imaginable in order to make money. So I said, no, nah, not counterfeiting. It's a little too clean. And they said, and they were so great. They said, eh, we, we thought you'd say that. Well, we're going to tell you right now so as not to waste your time. We're not buying this because we would be fired if we did. Yeah. It was the best meeting. Uh, <laughs> writers in the room, I'm not kidding. I'm, uh, writers in the room know that uh, 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 buying, a yes is the best answer. A quick no is surprisingly close to a yes in terms of second best. Yeah, absolutely. A slow maybe yeah. is the worst. Right, right. Yeah, because so many other meetings I've had uh, my whole career have been uh, never heard back, ever. Literally never heard back. No yes, no no, can't get them on the phone. I don't know why, to the executives in the audience, I don't know why you think that's a good idea. If you you ever want to work with anybody again who's some some snot-nosed schlub, you know, now, today, but later on, maybe the the guy you want or the woman you want to work with, the way to not endear them to you is to never call them back and say no. They can take no with the, the emotional roller coaster uh, that is the hellscape of Hollywood is, is like no answer at all. Yeah, right. 
That's like the worst thing I could do. Right. But I digress. No, anyway. that's great. But, well, so, well uh, Vince was told he was going to come pitch AMC, and he said something, I think, to the effect of, well, why don't we just go pitch it to the Food Network? I mean, it's about, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's I'm cooking. sorry. Right? <laughs> right. You asked right. me a question. No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the question and the answer. It's fine. Yeah. Right. It's fine. <laughs> Right, I said, show, it's, I said it's, a cooking, it's a cooking show after all. Why not just pitch it to the food network? Right, exactly. That's, that's how much confidence he had in us for buying, uh, for buying his show. <laughs> right. Which, and what's funny, you fast forward. I would, you know, when you have a show that, that pierces popular culture, and this was clearly one of them, you, especially when you air them on Sunday nights, the best time of your week is Monday morning because you come in and your mailbox is full. And somehow someone has found your phone number and they tell you what they were doing. And during Breaking Bad, it was the best. I'd get these random calls from strangers, and they'd be like, my wife and I send each other texts like, we going to cook tonight? <laughs> you know? And, and we'd go home, and we watch the episode, and then we'd go, and we... And I, it was the best. It was... We taught America how to embrace meth, and if... if if there's one thing you take from that, no, I'm just <laughs> You got us to switch from heroin to meth, and we love you for it. Exactly right. Exactly. We get so much more done. Right. So true. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what's so funny, so we're launching the show, and if you work in television, you know, you don't want it to be quiet. We have this meth show. I want a protest. I want some noise. I want someone writing, AMC is doing this, because they didn't know we were doing pro. And no one protested. We were like, should we tell the teachers it's about a teacher? Like, should, should, we, should we stir this up a little bit? Like, you know, start <laughs> dropping bags at school, you know, like trying to, you know, you know. Someone needs to complain about this, make some noise. You know? <laughs> it's hard to break through. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, yeah, and speaking of that, that leads to a good question, which is, Thank God, or this is more of a statement than a, but it'll lead to a question. Thank God Mad Men came first and not Breaking Bad because that would have that ruined everything, right? Because, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, Breaking Bad turned into what it turned into, thank goodness, eventually. But it was a loser in the in ratings at the beginning. Mad Men, right from, the, from day one, Mad Men was huge, right? No, no, again, it's culturally huge, but not ratings huge. Again, for the same reason, what we looked at was Mad Men came out, and it was on you know it was on and off the tv pages and you know there are moments in your career where you realize that there are things happening that that are rare and you would see someone on the you know front page of the times say it was a draper-esque move and they wouldn't put the parentheses that said from amc's Mad Men." i'm like either no one knows what they're talking about or we cut through yeah. and 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 breaking bad the same thing it was it was not a ratings hit from the start but certainly in this town, any writer who had ever had a passion project that was edgy and was told, you know, could you lighten it up a little bit or make it a counterfeiter or whatever, the, yeah. you know, they knew right away. So for our cultural currency in this town and, and being a place that wanted to do premium television, the risk was, even if it failed, we were betting on something and someone who was good for, for this town to know that we'd take that bet. But then I'd see Breaking Bad, again, reviews, the critics had never seen anything like it either. So it wasn't yet a huge success, and I put a lot of that numerically on the fact that AMC had to grow with the show. But the one-two punch of we, Mad Men came out, and it was a low rating but a high cultural awareness. Uh, Breaking Bad followed up. Literally, Mad Men was the only original on our air. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was yeah. it, you know, in prime time. And so number two was Breaking Bad about seven or eight months later. Actually, we launched in a really funny way. Remember, we launched... Yeah after the NFC Championship oh, God, game, yeah. which was, here yeah. we did all, here's another lesson, you can plan all you want, but life takes over, right, a lot of times. So 
I, I now actually uh, run Fox Network and the entertainment division, and we have the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl this year, which is awesome, which is Congratulations. fun. And it's a startup company of sorts with those huge assets. But what's funny is, uh, well, startup in the sense we're, we're rebuilding Fox. Yeah. yeah. I'll explain. If you haven't read the papers, we sold $71 billion worth of assets to Disney, and now we're starting again with the broadcast network at the center, and it's really interesting. But what's funny is, the NFC Championship game, on every piece of research, it starts a little before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl ends late. Uh, the NFC Championship game can often end before 9.45, and this was going to air at 10 o'clock. And so we looked and said, where would, we thought it was male skewing like our anti-hero movies, yeah. where would the biggest available audience be all year long if we were lucky enough to have them be finished with what they're watching and looking for something new? And every piece of research said 45 million people, and most of them in your demo, are going to be watching the NFC Championship game. And that year was the Giants versus Green Bay. And it was awesome, right? So we do all the planning. We do everything. And we're a new company betting on crazy things. We hadn't done certainly the monetization to afford a Mad Men or a Breaking Bad. So every penny mattered. And we muster up a campaign that comes to a crescendo with spots in the NFC Championship game, which are really expensive. And then Lawrence Tynes misses a field goal to win the game, wide left. And guess what happens? It goes in overtime. And guess what happens? It's on way past 10 o'clock. <laughs> and so our plan, and so literally Monday morning, we, we're like, what? What happened? You know, we don't have the numbers yet. You know, we don't know. How did our lead in? We were going to have them tell them to turn over. No one turned the channel. So we called uh, Lawrence Tynes, the field goal kicker's agent. We're like, we want him to come on Wednesday, and we'll call it Prime Times, and he'll explain. <laughs> you know, like we're trying to you know create buzz. You know, so awesome. Yeah. And he went on Letterman instead. So, uh, so I'm a great marketer. No, um, but but it, you know, it really is. That was a great idea. But we had that. It was a cool idea, and it all paid off. And, and again, it's a long game. And look, tell them what happened uh, for the writers during season one. It was supposed oh, to be a, a longer. You ever. If you look on the DVD, you go to Netflix, you, you, it's a seven-episode first season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a nine-episode first season. Charlie's exactly right. And the 2007 uh, writer strike happened. And at the time, as it was every other writer, you know, you, you're like, okay, we're doing this for very solid reasons. But, man, this is uh, – I'm so sorry this is happening right now. Holy crap, right in the middle of uh, trying to get this show on the air. Um, so I uh, – ner neurotic – warrior uh, that I am, I was, I was going to throw the kitchen sink into the, into the first season of Breaking Bad. I was going to kill off. I, originally, I was going to kill off the character of uh, Jesse Pinkman. Uh, I was yeah. probably going to additionally kill off or, more, or, or terribly, grievously <laughs> wound uh, the character of, uh, of, uh, of, of Hank Schrader, right. uh, Walter White's brother-in-law. Yeah. I was yeah. going to yeah. Do all By the this way, stuff. isn't it? So he's he's Jimmy Stewart, right? He's like, I was just gonna blow up. Uh, you know, I was just gonna. You know, I love it. Yeah, that was one of the best part of the pitches that Vince would give. Is he's the sweetest guy in the world. He really is, just the nicest guy in the world. And then he'd be like, and then his head'll be on a turtle, and it'll it'll, it'll be like, what? What? Didn't you just say I'm not waxing the apple? Like, like how did that come out? You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, true. Uh, it's all about the delivery, right. but yeah. but right, <laughs> wait, tell it, right? right. But uh, uh, you, all those are true. The big one, obviously, if Jesse Pinkman had gone in episode four, oh, that would have been uh, disastrous, mean, right. and and Hank too. It would have been disastrous. Right. And the writers' strike of two thousand seven mm -hmm. saved me because that 
midnight on <laughs> so and such a day, all the pencils went down, mine included, and I thought, well, shit, we got this. Episode seven does not end with with any kind of season ender, as far as I would consider. You need something big to have people wait the uh, however long it takes, and for our, in our case, increasingly long between yeah. seasons to to watch next year. Oh my God! This 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 one only ends with uh, the introduction of this character Tuco beating one of his own guys to death, you know, because he didn't like something the guy said in the middle of a junkyard, in the middle of a meth deal. That's not a proper season ending, but it's the best is all we had. So that was the end of the season, and thank goodness. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank goodness that you guys believed in us and kept us on the air, even though we were what, – what were we, like maybe like 120,000 people watching or something? But they were really special people. <laughs> <laughs> Big were, shoppers. They all spent a lot. <laughs> they spent a lot they of money. A lot. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, if, if we had – if I had done all that damage, what would have – I only would have realized later, damage, you, 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 you spend that much of your – Currency, your storytelling currency, uh, at the end of season of, of, of a nine episode season one, where do you go from there? It just you know, well, so you got to parcel it out. That's one of the hardest things is parceling out the drama. Well, I learned a ton from Vince, and again, we all are trying to find our, the next Breaking Bad, and there is no next Breaking Bad. By the way, it's in the Smithsonian, and that is rare air. The, his show is in the Smithsonian, and it is there next to Archie Bunker's chair. And right, and Dorothy's red slippers, and and there it's is, pretty cool. Uh, it's the coolest thing in the world. And, and and what's amazing about it is you don't try to replace these shows. What you quickly learn uh, is you know you you try to elevate them, you try to get them to go into a figurative usually, but uh, into the Smithsonian, and then you say, well, there's no, there's never been another uh, All in the Family. It's just a great piece of product that will always be associated with the people who worked on it. And there'll never be another Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Even with Better Call Saul, which is amazing, amazing piece of work, but it was never trying to be Breaking Bad. No, no, it's you trying know? very hard to differentiate yeah, itself. Yeah. I, got to, I got to see Norm, my, my, my sweetie Holly, and I got to see uh, Norman Lear two nights ago. Isn't that amazing? What a, what a national treasure that guy he is. What is he, almost 100 years old? He looks like he's maybe in his early 70s. Oh, no. I wish he'd get to work. You know, you know, the guy is just lazy, don't you think? You know, no, no, the one person, so we were back, we hosted the Emmys this year, and I was backstage, the one picture I took was of Norman Lee. Was it? Yeah, it's He's, cool. And a World War II vet, he would be a B-24 uh, crew member, yeah, uh, a radio man or something like that, on a B-24 bomber. Yeah, people of the American way, I mean, he, he's, yeah. he's a patriot, in the yeah, truest yeah, sense, I mean, look at the guy's yeah. amazing, but what's, what's incredible, yeah, so he did All in the Family, and it was so important that it could be a primetime special today and it had so much to say as yeah. i think breaking bad does about what it means to be the everyman and what it means maybe to like your life more you know not as a good person than a, as a good person or maybe with a death sentence or, or and it was hilariously funny no, not breaking and, bad no, that wasn't no. so funny uh, right? was, was, i was talking about right. all the family i'm glad you're talking about it it was, it was hilariously best. funny it was entertaining every minute but it never traded and never compromised its characters for a laugh yeah. There's nothing like it now. I mean, could you could you put if if I just I'll put you on the spot here as the, as the, as the head of, of Fox if 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 uh, on the family never existed and someone brought you that pilot script now, do you think you could put it on the air? I think I, I think you would. I'm going to speak for. No, I know no. you. I know you would I see. Sure would I know you would yeah. see how great it was. Right. But do you think you'd be able to? I, you know, I think you would. I think obviously some of the language would be changed. The taboos are different, right? You know, but the point. I mean, the reason it resonated, I think it did such a good job when they brought it back live, Jimmy Kimmel and, and Norman uh, Lear 
brought it back live on ABC because all the themes are the same, right? It's a different language, you know, different sensibilities of the day. But you know what? Uh, probably, and let's, let's, I, I won't even touch the cultural stuff, but uh, uh, father of the house with some old-fashioned thinking, uh, mom who dotes on him, uh, uh, son-in-law that you don't think is good enough for your daughter. I mean, just starting there, those are all still happening, I think, right? No. And, and then all the cultural uh, conversation that comes from the bigotry and the... And the it's just the way I think. Take it or leave it. I actually think so. So now we're trying to, and I, I know you chuckle, but we're trying to define what, what the Fox Entertainment business is going to be for the next generation. And where I started when we walked in the door, I said, you know what's interesting about this brand is they actually have been filled with characters from day one, characters who would tell you what they think, whether you want to hear it or not. And, and often, by the way, interestingly, an ass-kicking matriarch. So you got someone like Cookie Lyons right now on Empire. You know what? She, she says what's on her mind, and she doesn't much care what you think of it. And you go all the way back to even, at the time, Bart Simpson, yeah. you know, who was, you know, uh, and he still looks great, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he you know, still tells you, know, right? it's amazing, right? He aged well. But, uh, but you go there, and the Bundy family on Married with Children, and then in Living Color. And, and all of a sudden, I actually think if that, if we could do it authentically, to your point, I love the, the phrase used, if we could uh, never compromise the character yeah. for the joke, yeah. I, I, I think we'd be all in. I could, yeah. because, because you get to say something. You know, Breaking Bad is awesome if you just want to be entertained. But actually, if you think about what was happening, actually, you were out of work when you wrote it. Oh, yeah, right? very and, much so. Yeah, and America was out of work when you wrote it. And this notion that a teacher, the most noble profession, this guy would have to be working at a car wash to make ends meet. The fact that he had almost everything he ever wanted, but never all of what he wanted. He almost won the Nobel Prize. So, you know, he almost won his love of his life. He almost got the big company. And he can't even get the respect out of those he's educating. That, to me, is as important from Breaking Bad and what that journey would make you do. Uh, I think there's a ton about our time in there that will be relevant, you know, 100 years from now. Wow. And I love it. From your mouth to God's ear, yeah, I, I think so. so. It's that's, true. That's what you want as a writer, that's for sure. It's true. I mean, again, I, there is something here. Here's I'm into uh, sociology and I'm into... Uh, anthropology, and, and if, you, if you look at what these stories mean to people today, I am always fascinated by the thought that, you know, if you go back to, actually, I wrote an article, <laughs> really, I'm not a writer, so don't read it, but here's the point of it. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was after you guys won the Emmy for, in 2015, and if you had looked, I think, you know, several decades earlier, the Waltons had won for Outstanding Drama, and the, the point of the article was from the Waltons to Walter White. What what the hell happened, right? You know, uh, and, and a lot of it is, if you go back to the day of the Waltons, you know, America was, formal religion in America, for example, and there are tons of different points, formal religion in America, I think 70 or 80% of the people identified with some sort of formal religion at the time. Yeah. And you look today, so it was 80-20, and it's pretty much flipped today. So maybe it's 70, then again, directionally right, specifically wrong. But, but uh, uh, and so people got their decisions about what's right and wrong from a formal, you know, place. Well, you fast forward to today, I believe storytelling is where a lot of people get their right and wrong. And you go, oh, my God, I don't want that from Walter White, right? Yeah. And you don't. But the decision of who you would be if put in a situation like we're lucky enough to see on television every week or, you know, on streaming or anywhere, these stories out of minds like his that make you say, gosh, you know, 
what would I do? Or I'd never do that, but it's fun to watch someone who can express themselves on, you know, for me. I love that. And I think it's a, a, a place where a lot of people are getting their right and wrong. So, so again, yeah. I know you didn't mean this on, on no, the article. No, that's a fascinating thing. Yeah, think uh, about it. I, I, I hope you're wrong, but I fear you're right. Well, no, but, are, well, but actually, I think it's good because if you think about it, so Walking Dead was, was a, a show at AMC. I mean, we didn't we get did, the right? Walking Dead. Well, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but what, the characters that were the best to me, imagine if someone said to you, all right, guys, I know we're in beautiful Westwood, but while we've been in here, uh, zombie apocalypse, so it's just us. <laughs> Right um, now, I know if you thought, who do I need to be near during the zombie apocalypse? No one would say a writer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope you can get this down. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. And no one would say you need a, Navy uh, seal a television. You, you don't yeah. want a television network executive. You all got to reinvent who you are. And I think the reason that show was so popular, sure. People jumped out of closets and bit people, and, and, and there was horror. But actually, the notion of who you would be if your world was ending, and whether you'd stay or go, or lead or follow, or hunker down and hope your family knows the rules about how to get back, or go look for them, that's awesome. And then, for everyone else, what if you didn't have that much to lose in this life? You weren't liking it that much, like a Walter White or a Daryl Dixon? And you say, I'm going to reinvent myself. I was, uh, you know, Daryl was all but a white supremacist pre-apocalypse. Right. And yeah. he is 10 years later, the hunter and gatherer of people and Mr. Community. And Carol was uh, a character who, in the pilot episode, was a victim of domestic abuse. Oh, right, and yeah. fast forward, and she turned herself into the biggest ass kicker out there. And those evolutions, you know, you can't do that day in and day out as you're running to your job. But the question of who yeah. you'd be if... Walt, you got the cancer diagnosis and yeah. the family you loved and the special needs and a baby on the way. Yeah. What you do to set them up if you had, you know, issues? I hope you wouldn't go make meth. I hope but, not either. Right, exactly. Um, that's just for the lawyers. They make me say that. I'll make, be make, start make, a GoFundMe page. Make meth if you can. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, it's bad for your teeth, but it's or very MDMA lucrative. Or right? something you can monitor. But, but, I, but anyway, I, I don't mean to be a downer, but I love what these stories mean. And I think more people than we realize watch them uh, for some of the examples of moral code of what you should and shouldn't do. Uh, and that's why when that something makes goes... me so sad. No, but by the way, <laughs> by the way, I think you... I think you're probably right because there is something that previous generations had. It's a very it's weird. You can't even talk about religion anymore. It's right. like it's a thing that the world used to have yeah. that it seemingly doesn't anymore. And I, as now a writer, as a writer, I don't want to be the one taking taking the, the place of uh, you know. But you're death. not. But you, if or you could say everything is story based, even religion, well, right? Yeah, and I mean, uh, we're just telling. It all starts them, uh, with a, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. No, it's a very. Yeah, you know, I, I this is this is only really now just starting to get really interesting. Wow. And they're telling us we're uh, oh. we're going to throw this we're open. Getting, getting I, ask, I want to ask one more question of you before we throw it open to audience. Questions. I cannot believe how quick this went. Because um, you're so fascinating. Well, no, you are. And man. adorable. Oh, thanks. Uh, Wait a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. I want to ask one question real quick before we throw it open. This is uh, where is TV headed? I mean, TV, talk about, talk about, I know, I know. That was, exactly. I definitely linear commercial route. television, I believe. <laughs> but I mean, when, how much has it changed since you and I started? Oh, it's unbelievable. And that wasn't even that long ago. Right. Yeah. It, it's, 
look, everything that has been disrupted has, uh, has created opportunity and has created change, right? So actually, look, I live not far from here, and you walk through Westwood. I remember what Westwood was back when in the, in the 90s, and kids would just ride their cars up and back, and the stores were all full, and it was thriving. And now when was the last time you actually thought about going to a mall? Yeah. You know, and, or if you did, you were getting in and out. You weren't going to hang. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the disruption of digital on commerce, and that's the most obvious statement in the world, but, but, and every other industry, too. Yeah. So, uh, so what we have to do is, is provide great storytelling, and now where we used to say, come to AMC 10 o'clock, yeah. uh, there's no restaurant in the world, maybe Rayo's in New York, but, but very few restaurants where they say, you can only eat here at 10 o'clock on Sundays. Uh, but thanks to technology, we can't say that on television right. anymore. So yeah. we premiere something. 10 o'clock on Sundays in that case, or, uh, you know, uh, for, for Fox, it's eight, 8 and 9 uh, during, during the week, and we say, please come, but if you don't come then, here's all the other places you can get it, and we've adjusted our business models, and not, uh, not one for one for sure, but we've adjusted it to actually be consumer first, and that means we have to let our business travel. And so actually, so we shouldn't leave without saying, uh, there's uh, a little more story being told on Breaking Bad that's going to be on Netflix. Yeah, there's a, we got a movie coming out. Got to thank you so much. We got a yeah. movie, uh, 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 El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie coming out on Netflix. Uh, and I, I, this is a good thing to say real quick. I'm, I'm proud as, as I can be of it, and Netflix was wonderful to work with. We we came to AMC first. Yeah, you did. Uh, and and AMC was wonderful as always. That was that was the last conversation I had with you before right. you left for Fox. Actually, right. It was such a bad script. I'm like, I am out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just going to say no. no. I'm no, going to quit know, and go no, to no. another network. It was, um, it, but by the way, so what's so sad about not being able to do this for like three days straight yeah. is there are so many things. Every time you say something, I want to go. You need to know what Vince is talking about is special because of him. Uh, Everything, no, no, really, you know, there are choices made. Do you kill off a character or not? Do you, do you respond to the strike the way he did? Do you, you know, a billion choices. That's all we make all day long as, you know, you, they say you run out of time before you run out of money, and it is true, oh, man. Uh, right? And, 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 and so he's made choices that have entertained the world, and he makes choices as a human being and a business person. Uh, that are different than others too, and so he's represented by a bunch of folks. There's Chris Silverman and, a, right. and a whole bunch. You know, there's a ton of teams that help make these choices. But when I got a phone call from a guy who didn't need to call me, where it was obvious AMC was not supposed to be the premier home for this, you know, one chapter. Not because there wasn't interest, but just because no. there's no way for AMC to monetize one that, two-hour movie. That's yeah. it. it. But but it was the menchiest of menchy phone calls. He sent me this, these guys sent me the script and said, "We're loyal and we're not doing this without you. I know this doesn't suit you, again with the new business model, but they came." All right, that is as rare as Breaking Bad. <laughs> you know, that is, uh, it, it, they, it, no, really. And, and there are very few, I, I will say, one of the great things, I, I don't make art, uh, but I support artists. And, and to watch people change as they figure out themselves and their character and their choices and who they are, Vince has grown as much as Walter, you know, uh, evolved. And, and, and being a part of that with his team and with, with Holly and the fa- it is the best part of what we get to do because I, I can't do what he does, but I, every once in a while I can spot it and try to put it on a pedestal, and that is the greatest uh, to do this with you. And, and we've had some adventures outside of this, oh, you sure. know. Uh, 
that is, uh, that's not funny. Uh, uh, that is, that's the greatest thing a lot of us get to do and, and, uh, how rare in a career to be able to do it. Uh, oh, God bless like you, this. my yeah. friend. I, this has been such a pleasure. We're gonna. I think we got a little time for. Uh, we got some uh, questions for the, the this young sure. lady right here. Right. <laughs> right. I think there's a microphone you can talk in right there. There's a microphone there. You guys look very good on this set. I saw skin tight last week, and you look just as good. Oh, as well, they thank you. Actually, hey, hey, Vince, <laughs> sing something by Adina Mazel. Irina Menzies, or what would it be? Walter yeah. Collins? Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. Yeah, right. <laughs> no festivities. I'm sure he's a, I hear he's a very nice fellow. Yeah. <laughs> right, sorry. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if you had um, instructions from the people who put on this program, but we'll probably just say stay away from politics. Oh, Not sure who the audience is, but I have to say, I thought this was fascinating, exciting. I just even took notes. But listening to you, one can't help but wonder whether starting back with um, All in the Family and the choices you've made, those were all really a precursor to authenticity and saying what you're going to say, being as bad as you can. Um, You know, I could walk down um, Fifth Avenue and kill somebody, you know, Walter White could have said that. So I, my question is... Did Vince elect Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. What's your responsibility? Anyway, I like your comment on it because yeah. it, it is quite amazing to hear both of you talk and go back 20 years when what we're seeing today. Sure. It's... Yeah, I mean, no, no one has to tell me not to talk about politics. I <laughs> steer away from it like the plague. But uh, because no matter, you know, it's uh, we're more polarized than we've ever been as a nation. Well, I, I, I study my history. I'm no historian. We probably, well, yeah, there's a little thing called the Civil War. I guess we have been more polarized than we are now. But we are about as polarized as we've ever been. And no matter, you just, you know, it's it, it, as a writer, it just seems like the thing to do is to, is to and, and there's no, the beauty of writing is there's no one right way to do it. But for me, what works personally is to, is to, is to concentrate on characters who interest me and, and try not to be, uh, you know, pedantic or, or try to have an overt, you know, trying hard not to have an overt message because in the world nowadays, instantaneously, no matter what you're... Oh, you know, I like it that the sky is blue. You know, half the country is going to say, you know, I disagree, you know, vehemently, and you're an idiot. So, you know, no matter who... And this goes every which way now, so I'm not, you know... But, yeah, so it... It's a, I don't know, it's a tougher... Do you... When well, you're, when you're, I think what you said about character is right. I think things resonate. You know, it, I had nothing to do with all in the family except respecting it and loving it and seeing some of my family and some of the characters. I think the stories that we gravitate to then and now, I'm sure, are the ones that feel truthful. And and I do think, you know, uh, here's something I learned from Matthew Weiner, you know, uh, Mad Men. And I try to learn from all these people. These are great artists and artists for years, well before television, have been interpreting the day, right, and and telling their their story about what they see. And, And an artist gets a museum and a suit gets an office because an artist deserves a museum and I, I deserve a, an office, you know. Uh, and, and you look at the stories that uh, these people tell and, and there is something they see in the world 
in these characters that is deeper, that helps us understand what's going on in society. So, so Mad Men was a lot about secrets. Actually, our tagline for the first season was where the truth lies. And, uh, and Matt Weiner said to an audience, I remember it so vividly in the first season, because they said, how can you tell stories that are so reprehensible? The, this Don Draper in the pilot episode, he smokes too much, he drinks too much, and by the end of the episode, you see him cheat on his wife. And Matt said to the audience member, well, are you the same person in public that you are? In private, when you shut your apartment door, are you telling me you behave the exact same way in front of me that you do when the door closes? Well, that's not true. None of us do. Uh, you know, that is. And, and so he, he got the opportunity to show where the truth was, and we got to go behind the closed door when it, when it closed. And, and I love that about storytelling because we, we all judge, right? But I'm not the same person on this stage as I am when I'm, you know, going and, you know, getting ready for bed. We're, we're different. We, and, and, and stories can get at that in a way, probably walking up to your neighbor and pointing it out doesn't do as well. So I got to tell uh, you, you know, that's what I, I love about Matt Weiner. He's not scared of anybody. He's yeah. like, I, I, I wimp out anytime anybody says, uh, Matt is just mad. So I, he, I have so, I, I've always respected that about well, Matt. I, he, doesn't, I, he doesn't give a shit. He's just like, well, well, he just, he <laughs> right, is, and, right. I, and I mean that right. if you're taking a note on that, Vince compliment. said that. Uh, just, and, but, I, and, I, right. and I mean that as the right. highest no, possible No, no, compliment. but here's the deal. I've learned something from every artist I've worked with, and you would see some of the stuff we put out, because, you know, everyone remembers Breaking Bad and Mad Men or Walking Dead, but I've made a lot of shit. Man, really bad stuff. And even then, you learn from the writer, because, look, it is not easy to do what they do. If you are an accountant, debits equal credits, you can prove it out at the end, and you check it off, and it's done, and you slide it across your desk. If you have a blank sheet of paper and you need to entertain America... You are putting yourself out there in a way that no one in a regular job does. And so I love when I hear, oh, that sucked. I was like, oh, how is your show? <laughs> you know, how's that going? Have you entertained America? Have you put your nine months in Albuquerque's heat uh, to try to tell a story about a guy making meth with a former student? How's that going for yeah, you? America. you know, right? you know, yeah, America. <laughs> right? Let's, I mean, let's take one more question. Yeah, right, right. My, 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 uh, this gentleman here with the... Yeah. I think you put your hand up first here. There's a microphone for you. Obviously, we're all excited with El Camino coming back and whatnot. Mm. Not ask for any spoilers or anything, but I remember you famously said on uh, the end of Breaking Bad in 2013 that you never knew where the ending was going to go, but you had it there. Given with some of the revivals that have happened in the last, being your former calling card, X-Files and whatnot, did you ever have any hesitation to go back to uh, Breaking Bad and whatnot there too, considering that you'd already gone through with Breaking Call Saul and whatnot? Absolutely. Excellent question. I was very nervous about doing this. Um, thought about it for a long time. The 10th anniversary of Breaking Bad came along last year, 2018. And, and, uh, but I'd been thinking about doing this on and off for a while. Had we ever talked about it? We, we, we had. had well, we talked yeah. a lot about it uh, yeah. before Better Call Saul. Yeah, well, you know, we did. We did. And the ending of Breaking Bad, uh, I, we all, not just me, but the, all of my writers and all of us sweated blood. Uh, in the months leading up to that, because we had so much goodwill and love from fans all over the world in a way that still to this day I can't even fully comprehend, that still blows my mind. I did not want to destroy that goodwill, that, 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 that emotional, positive yeah. capital that we had built no, up. And but I can was, I interrupt? Was, That's uh, not a normal writer's instinct either. Because yeah. a lot of people say, I'm going to tell my story, and I'm screw them. If they don't like it, it's my story, and I go. And I watch Vince and his team figure out that they wanted to resolve what happened, not have you wondering. 
what happened, and you wanted a conclusion, right? I mean, uh, well, we and it was it was we definitely. I didn't want to overstay our welcome, but then once it was time to end it, I wanted to stick the landing, and it was all. I'm I'm being long winded as usual. The the nut of what I'm trying to say is that we were lucky to. Uh, most folks think it was a the ending that that satisfied them, and I'm very proud right. to be able to say and, that. And, and I was no spoilers because I haven't seen it. You read the script, though. You read the script. Right, right. <laughs> I'm on season three. It is awesome. Oh, I meant, I meant the movie. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever actually watch any of your shows when you were running? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like television. Wait, where's the time? I just... Religion. I don't own a TV. All religion all the time for me, Vince. <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah, I'm uh, long-winded. Uh, but long it, it's story awesome short. if you love Breaking Bad. What he's written and where it picks up and where it takes you uh, is absolutely a joyride uh, for the fan. You, you've nailed you the landing the, here too. Thank it's, you for that. Uh, I don't like appreciate that. It's uh, good. Uh, it was. I, I was scared to do it because I thought you know that we ended the show pretty well, and and it ended with him. <laughs> You can believe whatever you want, you know, when it ends. Right. Did, did he live happily ever after? Did he get caught around the next corner? And But then I thought, uh, you know, there's a lot of money on the line here. <laughs> right, and, exactly. Uh, right, exactly. So, <laughs> and that and is the truest artist statement we've had today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, right, it's cool. It, it, I wanted to work with Aaron Paul again. I yeah. just said as much as anything. Yeah. That, they, there's a good idea for you guys. Yeah, uh, believe me, we talk but, to him uh, all the time. Yeah. I, look, I, uh, there's an open invitation to anyone who uh, worked on Breaking Bad at all times to, to like come it. back in our world and try something nuts like again. It. Actually, that story about clubbing baby seals, I'd love to. Yeah, right, exactly, right. I think we could do something with that, Charlie. Why not, right, exactly, right. I think a different... Who among us has thought about that? You chase a different baby seal for 46 minutes. Yeah. You get it or you don't. But uh, you're always kind of... If you want to know what I do when I close my apartment door, (laughs) it's like... uh, Chicken of the sea in my house. (laughs) I got one last question I got to ask. Who is the... Who is the... Who is the flamingo? Oh, that's funny. It's... uh, That's that's very good. It's uh, uh, Jonathan Banks. (laughs) <laughs> Everybody, anybody watch the Mass Singer? Yeah. Yeah. Now, by the way, biggest when, show on TV. And if you want to come to the ceremony for its Smithsonian introduction, <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I'll meet you at the Four Seasons uh, DC. I'll, I'm buying. Got <laughs> <laughs> time for one more question? Uh, this gentleman right here. So you talked a lot earlier about like pitching shows. And I was just wondering if you um, had any show that you pitched that never ended up getting to be made or that you received any pitches that never ended up getting made that you kind of wish had been able to get made. Mm. That's good. That's a good question. I mean, most (laughs) of the – I'm not being falsely modest or woe is me, but, I mean, it's the same with every writer. Most everything I ever pitched did not get made. It's a rare uh, situation where – and a lot of times it was movie scripts. It was not uh, TV shows, but – it is yeah. so hard to get from idea to show uh, because think about what I said uh, even about Breaking Bad, one of the greatest shows of all time. We were lucky to have the context at the right time. And then we had to make some choices, and it's all choices all the time. Uh, but let's say Mad Men got delayed and we wanted that to be our first. And when he came in, we said, God, we love it. But, you know, we just, we're going to go with this one first, and, and we don't want to leave you sitting around. 
that would have been a legitimate reason uh, for, for FX. Look, they had a lot of male anti-hero, and they had Courtney Cox available for a series that they thought could broaden them. Very rational. You make choices, and you go forward. And, and I, it wasn't a throwaway line. I am sure there's something in our house right now, actually, with some amazing artists that you know. And we have to figure out not just is it good, but is it good to get into we're trying to stand out in this world of streaming. So where we can win is doing fewer projects better. I think you can tell I was a little bit inside these shows. You know, we we really try to do fewer things better. So the bad news is in this competitive environment, if you walk in and you're Vince Gilligan, he gets an order for a series before he gets to the table now, you know, because people need great, not always, but no, but but meaning there are people willing to say straight to series order, straight to series order. And I want to say, well, what's the idea? Yeah. And that's, and that's not always available right that's now. That's the way to do it, too. Well, it is. Yeah. There's no doubt. Would you ever, you know, get your builder building if you'd only seen the plans to the furnace room? You yeah, know? it's, like, like, you it's know. like I haven't seen the plans for my new dream house, but yeah. I love the way this guy drives a nail. Right, exactly. So gotta... right. But that's it. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and, and someone on the other end of the phone is like, it's competitive. There are four bids. And I'm like. Well, uh, um, what's he building? <laughs> like, you know, like, but then that is not far from the truth. And so we are trying to figure out if we can create a home for artists who want to have be a part of doing fewer things better to see if uh, they can stand out and be promoted in our Super Bowl and NFC Championship game and NFL. If we can tell different types of stories that hopefully still try to gather the American population at one time instead of on your phone one at a time. And if we can do that, I think we have a pretty interesting value proposition. So in that context, you can see why we do a mass Singer because it feels urgent. Yeah. It actually is a guessing game. It's just peekaboo, you know, who's, who's behind you and there. People love you it. Know? And, and, and what's it's, wrong with that? And it's family yeah. fun. And yeah. so then you have that, and then you try to build something on top of it, and that's yeah. the game. And, and we'd love you to stop by for that and then see his next project. And if it's good, you go, well, you guys see that thing, you know, that happened after fill-in-the-blank show? I'm in. And then, and then uh, 10 years later, we're in your living room on a stage. That's right. Right. Rinse well, and repeat. And that, uh, you know, yeah. it is my living room, and so I have to tell you guys get the hell out. <laughs> Thank well, you, everybody. This was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you, you everybody. You're, you're the best. That was Vince Gilligan and Charles Collier live from the Geffen Playhouse. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, brought to you by Podcast One. Thanks for listening to Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Be sure to download new episodes every month right here on Podcast One, on the Podcast One app, or on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and share.